to get big picture because you know like I said we go through this stuff and it takes months and well, years a year and a, two years basically to get through it all but we just we just bust and I love our people they just they just are so sweet and a lot of them are little grandma and grandpas you know they just love Jesus and you know they're not retaining it all but boy are they just loving it and yeah Gary yeah They are some that I've used. the The one which is temp. Did I put it one answers? Uh, yeah, uh, question. Uh, got questions. If you have not ever got on that really cool website, uh, you, are you familiar with that one? A representative from Got Questions who is eighty five years old just started coming. Huh? Almost just just getting started, right? Yeah, uh, but he just started coming to our church about a month ago. And he walked in, he goes, hey, do you ever heard of God Questions? I'm like, I use it all the time. And he goes, oh, that's wonderful. Well, he and I are going to get coffee sometime because he wants to talk to me. He said last year, internationally, how many tens of thousands of people got saved that write into them to tell them that they got saved because the person has a question on why creation versus evolution. And it'll give this really clear answer of why. And they're like, well, that's all I wanted was an answer. I didn't want yelled at. You know, we preachers are good at, well, why don't you understand that? Well, they just want answers. So they give answers to the questions. Any, there's very few things. There, there, you know, there's no writers that you're going to agree with everything. There's been a few things I'm like, eh, I disagree with that one. But that's okay. I hear me, what I preached five years ago, and I'm, eh, I don't agree with that. So I disagree with myself sometimes. So it's, uh, it's all good for sure. Do um, you have any questions for me going into this session? I want to talk a little bit more than about the, the rapture. Um, we are on um, page number six at the top. What does the rapture accomplish? Well, yes, sir, Paul. I, I do have one, one more question. Yeah. I, I don't know if I can ask this in an intelligent way. Oh, but... you sure will, brother. Mm-hmm. I've seen three different figures. Yes. Uh, why why we, do we have the three? Okay. Um, there, it's sometimes in days, sometimes in months, and when you look at the Old Testament... Um, three figures in days. Yeah, yeah. And, and so the one way they say it is time, times, and a half. So a time would be one... Times would be two and a half. So three and a half. And other ways it would be, so it all adds up to the same thing, which is three and a half years. We also have to consider that this is based on Jewish calendar, not our calendar. You follow me? Yeah, even even when you look at the 490 years, you go and do the figures with um, the Jewish calendar, not ours uh, the way we have it, because we have like an extra day, I think it is, uh, in our calendar, because we have leap year and all that kind of stuff. So what is your question? Where, where's your text at? Revelation 11? Because I think that's where it talks about it two or three different times about the... Uh,
other figures mm -hmm. in that vicinity. Okay. So, if you look at 12.6, um, which is a really important chapter. The woman fled in the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God that um, she should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score or sixty days. So all that total would be twelve hundred sixty days, which would be the same as forty two months, which would be the same as three and a half years. So basically, it, it's just different ways of saying the same thing. You say, well, why did the translators do it that way? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea why they did it that way. It's just to make guys like me have to answer the questions. I have, it's just, it, it all does come up to the same thing. When you, when you do the math, not with American timelines, but when you do it with the Jewish, and I have not memorized that, how that all works the days. My teacher, Dennis Wood, he was going through that. But just, just imagine, yeah, you have the calendar, so you can do the math there. Or you can get this brother who loves mathematics, and he can do the math for you. Yeah, good question. Pastor? Just a pleasure, because it talks about seven years. Yes, sir. Yes. Um, I, if, okay. <laughs> yeah, this is the stuff that literally, I mean, I have it right here. I, I sat down and I put all the numbers together so that Carl could get it. It's funny, my teacher in Sunday school is going through Daniel right now. And it took him two hours, two different times, because the first time we didn't all get it. So he taught the same thing the next week to try to explain all of this, the numbers of how it comes up to the 490 and then minus the week. And then you also have, let me see if I can read, because this is about three months ago I did this. Because, okay, this is the deep stuff. With the math, with the Jewish calendar, with prophecy, it is, they have, they have laid it out to the day. It was a prophetic, a prediction, the day Jesus was going to ride into Jerusalem. Literally. And that's all part of this time period. Because it all was based on when the wall was built by Nehemiah. They have the date for that. And, um, and then you get into Daniel 9. You have the 70 years captivity. Um, then you have the Persian Empire as part of it all. That's right around 445 B.C. Nehemiah comes on the scene like 30 years later. Jesus presents himself into Jerusalem. The triumphal entry or Palm Sunday was prophetically laid out right there. And then he died in the day of Pentecost, which would have been uh, 50 days later uh, of the, uh, the ascension of Jesus Christ. And then uh, rising on all of this is somehow laid out right there. So my answer is I haven't the, the time to develop all of that here, I just don't have. But when you look at the 490, the key in Daniel 9 is that there is one week, seven days yet to be fulfilled.
fulfilled. That's the key that I want everybody here to go with. That Daniel predicts there's a week yet coming. And that word week can be translated week, but most times it's translated years. It's just a generic time phrase. And so we see that as seven years that are yet to be fulfilled, that will be fulfilled. I'm sorry? And that's the tribulation time period. That's exactly right. Yep. So that's the prediction of Daniel of the 70th week of Daniel that has yet to be fulfilled. That's the key, what I would want this group to, as far as a foundation. You can get online. Um, by the way, uh, got questions? Just get in there, ask them. They have a whole page that I actually printed off that actually lays the timeline out. They do a masterful job. I, I, I have a lot of respect for, for that group. So that's, that's somewhere you could, you could go. I apologize, I can't. I haven't memorized all of that in the numbers and because my teacher did bring up and there's this section right here that you know this ties together with this with this and I'm going I was lost. I mean it is so so detailed. This is the guy that needs to do that one right here. This guy the the, the brainiac. All right. Um what what in the world is the rapture going to accomplish. I want to walk through a few of these concepts because there's, I want to get into second Thessalonians with you guys today. Um, first of all, and you'll see it in page number six, everybody there. What's going to accomplish? Number one, it's going to accomplish this. It's a public declaration of Christ's victory over death for all who have believed we win. I mean, every believer snatched away. We win declaration of Christ's power to do it. Right. All that's in first Corinthians. It is also a fulfillment of prophecy. Because God says, I'm going to do it. And in the, the test of a prophet was that everything they said came to pass. So if it didn't, they were a false prophet. So everything Jesus said is going to happen must take place. So going us being said. Then, of course, it is also the unleash of the Antichrist and the work of Satan. Now we're going to go over to that text I've been talking about an awful lot in 2 Thessalonians, in chapter number 2. Second. Second Thessalonians, in chapter number 2. That's right. That's right. So this came to pass, so therefore the rest of what I said will come to pass also. That's absolutely right. Absolutely right. Near view, far view. Um, prophets. So, first verse in chapter 2 of Second of Thessalonians uh, talks about the coming of the Lord and our gathering to Him. So that's rapture talk right there. And he says, I, I don't want you to be shaken, in verse number 2, in your mind, and I won't, don't want you to be troubled, neither by spirit or word, nor any letters that come from us, as the day of Christ is at hand. In other words, this is a prediction. It's going to be coming. So these poor people, they would get ideas like, well, if you're not alive when Jesus comes back, you're going to miss the rapture. Some were saying, oh, it happened already. Oh, I mean, they had all these ideas. So these letters were like, don't think and worry about these things that people are saying. This is the actual and by the way, I'm going to say this to you, dear folks. Be careful, because a lot of people have made a lot of money by predicting things 
putting it in a book, and people are buying it. And they are glad to take your money. And so it would be like, why I believe Obama is the Antichrist. Why in a world? And they'll make big bucks because they have this prediction. Well, he's international. Um, you know, we don't know his birth. We don't know about... This. And they have all of these ideas. And he's not the Antichrist. We don't know who the Antichrist is going to be. Here's our text. So let the Bible tell you. And you don't have to worry. And you can save your 1999. Take... <laughs> Take your wife out to eat or something, okay? You get a lot more done that way than than reading these idiots. So, yeah. So, don't let anybody deceive you in verse 3 by any means. So, you can see, even back then, there were deceivers when it came to rapture and end times. Nothing new under the sun, folks. That day shall come, not come, except there be a falling away first. And that man of sin revealed the son of perdition. So he, this, this man of sin, is known in the Revelation as the first beast that came up out of the sea. Sea represents the nations. So this beast, who is the Antichrist, is coming up out of the sea, and he is going to be the deceiver. And so he, this one, is going to be coming onto the scene. Notice his heart in verse 4. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God. Anything that is named by God, he says, I'm better than that. I'm above that. I shall be like the most high God. Remember that? It's like what's happening in three and a half years in Israel. You got it. And that's literally what he's going to bring up. And so, orders to be worshipped. And that's what ultimately we're going to talk about that Sunday morning. Satan wants the world's worship. So, that he, as God, sits in the temple of God. There it is, mid-trib. Showing himself that he is God. You can see that in Matthew 24, and also Revelation, and chapter 13. And verse number 15, I'm going to read that as soon as I'm there. And he had power to give the life under the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause many of, as it would to worship and the, Im- the image of the beast, uh, who would not worship the image of the beast, should literally be killed. And so all of that's going to be fulfilled in Revelation 13. So, Antichrist is going to be coming on the scene. Satan's ambition is right there. Verse 5. Remember you not, when I was with you, I told you these things. Remember he said earlier, don't you worry about these things. Why would he tell them not to worry about these things? Because it doesn't involve us. Know you that the, that what withhold, uh, uh, give me your translation. Somebody read verse number 6. Anybody got verse number 6? Second Thessalonians, you got that one for us? Okay. You, you have a, can you read that for us too? Yeah. So the King James has withhold, or that which is holding back, if you will, or we will translate it restraining. So something here right now 
is re- is holding back or constraining the Antichrist. Guess who that is? God is doing it, but we're here. Salt and light, exactly. Holy Spirit, as He's working inside of us. Did you notice? And I'm, there again, I'm not trying to bash. You know, I want. I don't want to speak evil of dign, you know those who are dignitaries, and I, you know. But I'm going to say this: Do you notice some politicians in our country have an agenda to change the mindset of our country that would be very evil? <laughs> Is that politically correct? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If if um, if Boston would have its way, very liberal region. I mean, it is so liberal. They would. I wouldn't last a day up there. They would fire me. I have this buddy of mine. He come, he came to Elkhart. He starts coming to my church. He goes, Carl, this is crazy. He says, I've been going to church all my life. Save this young age. He goes, I've never heard anything that you talk about. I said, you've got to be kidding me. He goes, no, you don't understand. So he went out and uh, got a Bible, followed along with me. And one night I was teaching on parenting. I was talking about it is right for a parent to bring discipline in the home. He said, Carl, if you would have ever said that in any church up there, they would have fired you that day. You would have been done. There's certain things you just don't talk about. And I'm like, really? They, he said, they are so liberal up there. You just, there's certain things you don't bring it up. Or you, they will ax you and you are done. And I'm like, wow, very, very liberal. And a lot of these, if, the, if a lot of the liberal politicians would have their way, would they legalize abortion all the way? Mm-hmm. You think that they would, we would start getting into the, um, uh, the health care of the elderly. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there this euthanasia thing that, oh man, we just can't afford them. They're dying anyways. Let's just put them out of their misery. All that is based on, by the way, evolution. If we are only animals, a glorified animal, why let the poor horse have a broken leg and not be able to exist? Kill them. You can almost sense if they were to get their way, who knows what the end really would be? And so, can you imagine? Uh, you were bringing up some. Somebody, you were bringing up some about how many Christians that are in uh, office, and we have solid men and women that are serving the Lord. But when the rapture happens, they're all gone. Well, who's going to oppose these things? It's like unleashed. Remember in the book of Judges, there's a key phrase. What is it? Anybody know it? Everybody, you, you, you think that's right? You go do it. I think this is right. I go do that. There's no law. There, every man did that which is right in his own eyes. I'm sorry? That's where we're heading to. So we determine right, we determine wrong based on a culture, and that could change tomorrow. Right and wrong could change tomorrow because it might be right today, but it might not be right tomorrow. So it's an ongoing mindset. By the way, this is the spirit of the Antichrist. He says that already works in the world. But when we are out of here, all of that is going to have... It's like we are the dam. 
And when this dam is opened up, that water is just going to go, and it is going to permeate this earth so quickly and so, so rapidly. And so that's what he's getting into. We are holding back what the Antichrist ultimately wants to do. So when we're out of the way, that's when he can step in and take over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Bottom line. Yep. I it's been a lot of years since I've watched it, um, but there's a uh, documentary called The Agenda. Has anybody heard that one? It's actually pretty old now. And what they did is they documented whenever. Um, communism couldn't take America from the outside. They documented how they plan on doing it from the inside. And they had to take away the home. And they had to take away guns. And they actually literally laid all these things out. The only way they could take us from within. And there was, I think there was five different points of their agenda. And literally we can see how the attempt of those things is uh, taking place. Yep. But the home is the key. And uh, because if you destroy the home and we, we don't have that value that God has created, it then disrupts all order because you take away submission, you take away order, you take away so many dynamics that are all through uh, the scripture. So, man, you can just see it coming. So he's out of the way. It's like, here you go. And that's the whole point is that this is going to unleash the anti- the beast, if you will. Oh, I need to put Mark that down, Carl. Unleash the beast. And literally, it's unleashing the beast. Yeah. And now you know, verse 6, that would hold that he might uh, be revealed in his time. For Verse 7, for the mystery of iniquity is already working. Okay? Antichrist is working now. Or the spirit of Antichrist is already working. If you go back to the series that I gave you on last days, you'll see the doctrines of demons. Literally, there's an indoctrination that Satan wants to give every family, every church, every nation. He's trying to indoctrinate core beliefs. And evolution is always connected with it, by the way. Um, So, verse uh, verse 7. So, the mystery... And this is also one of the seven mysteries, by the way, in, in the New Testament. The mystery of iniquity is already working. Only he who now lets will let until be taken out of the way. So there's that concept. Um, he's going to be removed out of the way. The church is holding back. Then verse 8. Then shall that wicked be revealed. When? After the church is out of here. That's why I do not believe anybody is going to... I think whatever generation is there right before rapture they don't know the rapture is going to happen but they're right there they're going to be thinking boy look at that that guy is pretty suspicious he could be the one but they can't know for sure because he's not going to start doing the signs and miracles and wonders until the transition of you and i the church age out of here and then everything is going to change i hope this doesn't confuse you But right now, during this time period, 
we don't live like they did in the Old Testament. In that, um, you know, uh, Moses is going along and the sons of Korah come up and say, who do you think you are? You think you're the only leader in this area, you know? You know, we're, we're the servants and, you know, part of the priesthood. Who do you think you are? So Moses says, okay, tell you what. If you guys live to be an old age and just die a normal cause, you're right. But if you all of a sudden die by some unexpected event, then you'll know you were wrong, I'm right. And it says the earth opened up and swallowed them all alive, and they all died. And Moses is like, anybody else? Okay, let's move on. Wouldn't it be cool to live like that? A lot of preachers would be like, yeah, I like that one. You know, uh, It doesn't work that way now. And, and you have the miracles that happened with Egypt. You have the Dead Sea, or excuse me, the Red Sea, the crossing. You have these incredible things. Under, follow me, under the time period of the tribulation, all of those signs are coming back. Remember the two prophets? What do they do? Elijah calls down fire. Guess what they're going to be doing? Calling down fire. A lot of the plagues that, that Moses did are going to be rehearsed in the world again during the trip. So it's all going to come alive where signs and wonders. But we're going to see something also here. Remember, Satan is the imitator. Okay. Verse 9. Um, I'm sorry. Verse, verse 8, I didn't read it all. And then shall the wicked be revealed who the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. And by the way, chapter 19 talks about the false prophet and the Antichrist both being cast into the lake of fire. They lose. Shall destroy the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, meaning things they do to make people go, <gasps> they are, the word literally means they're astonished. How could he do that? So Satan, the ultimate deceiver, and the Antichrist, and um, the false prophet are going to do signs and wonders um, to, to deceive the people. Verse 10. With all deceivableness, unrighteousness in them that perish. And it's almost like it's a sealed, done deal, right? They're perishing. So they're done. Now follow this. Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. They could have been saved, but they refuse to believe. This is tribulation time period because the Antichrist is already on the scene, right? Church is already raptured, right? You all following me? I know you're reading ahead. Let's see what goes. I know it's good. It's awesome. Verse 11. And for this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion. Who's to them? unbelievers that refuse to believe the love of God and the truth. So guess what they did? Fall down and worship the image and then you can buy and sell. Just worship the Antichrist. And it says, God then is going to send them a strong delusion that they'll believe the lie. That they might all be condemned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Satan, in his deception, is a master of pleasure. 
and darkness and sin. Because, ladies and gentlemen, sin is fun for a season. And the people are going to stop and say, okay, let me get this whole story right. If I don't take this mark of the beast and I don't fall down before the image and worship this image, I don't get the mark, I can't buy, I can't sell. So I starve. And I know it says also, if you don't take the mark, they're going to hunt me down and try to kill me. If I take the mark of the beast, I can buy. I can go back to my job. I have no shame. We can party down. We can eat, drink, and be merry. As in the days of... Remember? Days of Noah. Eat, drink, let's get married. Everything's just going just beautiful. The easiest thing for them to do is to continue in sin. Give me the mark. They knew the truth. But they refused the truth. They refused the love of God. And they got saved. Uh, they, they got their, their uh, seal on their, their hands, right hand and forehead. And there again, I don't know what it's going to be. Um, some, some get into uh, that it'll be a chip um, that will be embedded in them that they could use to buy and sell. And that's already out there, interestingly. And that very well could be. Um, some have thought it, w- it could be literally, and it's translated, a tattoo that is a visible sign to anybody who could walk by and see, here it is, the number or his name could be tattooed on the head or the hand, that it will be visible that, okay, I'm coming in to buy. Okay, going through, because you have the mark that is unique. Uh, either way, it is going to be connected with worship. Outward, I'm not ashamed. I got the mark. I'm not embarrassed. And it is a belief and now I can go into this bar and I can party out and uh, I can get drunk and do whatever I want. And uh, there's going to be pleasure. I want you to see something in chapter 9 of the Revelation. We'll go back there in a second. This to me is the saddest, one of the saddest scriptures in all of the Revelation during the tribulation time period. What has happened in this chapter, if you look at the latter part of verse 15, to slay a third part of mankind. So we have 7 billion right now. Can you imagine a third of 7 billion being wiped out just like that? You know what 3,000 people did in 9-11? Remember how it devastated us? You have... Issues in, in Africa where thousands of people are genocide, you know, and, and it breaks your hearts. Can you imagine? Who's going to bury these people? A third of the world's population being wiped out. Verse 18. These three was the third part of men killed by the fire and smoke and the brimstone which issued out of their mouths. Verse 20. This is where I want to pick up. And the rest of the men, which were not killed by these plagues, repented not. They didn't repent of what? The works of their hands. There's the idolatry. That they should not worship devils or demons. They continued right through. This is my God. Their idols of gold, silver, and brass, and stone, and wood, which can't see, can't hear, and can't walk. And that they're going to say, 
See this piece of wood? This is my God. This is who gives me strength. This is who gives me protection. This is the God that provides for me. And they're going to believe in a piece of wood rather than the Creator. Neither repented they of their murders. Ooh. Guess what's going to be happening during the tribulation? A lot of murders. Who do you think they're murdering? And Christians. And all believers, whether Jew or Gentile, they're hunting them down, and they can get away with murder. Oh, you killed another Christian? High five! They're going to be happy about it. Those believers are going to be the bad people in the world. Get rid of them. You remember Matthew. This is very emotional to me. Sometimes we miss something really important. When Jesus is talking in Matthew 24 and 25 about the tribulation time period, he stops and he says, the king is going to say to those, you're blessed because when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And when I was in prison, you visited me. And he says, they said, well, when did we do that for you? He says, as much as you've done this for the least of my brethren, you've done it unto me. Those during the tribulation time period are going to be thrown in jail. They're going to be hungry. They have no clothes. They're going to be treated like, like rats. And there's going to be other Christians that are going to say, hey, can I come in and see Mike? He's in room such and such. I just want to go back and see him. And you go back and you pray with this guy that was is about to die for his faith. And you spend some time with him and praying with him and weeping with him before he was executed and beheaded. And you gave him some meal and maybe even had communion with him. And then Jesus says, as much as you did to that man, it's as though you've done it to me. Those who minister during the trib to those that are hurting it's going to be beautiful you were reading yesterday there's a time when God says all those that were killed during the trib they're before Jesus Christ's throne and he says you're never going to hunger again you're with me you're never going to thirst you're never going to be in want again you're going to get white clothing and you're always going to be at my table. I'm going to take care of you. Do you know the story of Mephibosheth? Okay. The Bible just repeats and repeats and repeats. So here this cripple is. Couldn't take care of anything. And David says, yet any of the, the house of, of, of Saul. Now we got one. But he's a crippled boy. Can't do anything. Bring him in. He brings him in. He looks at this young man. He says, listen, this is your table now. You will always be dining at the king's table. You were crippled and couldn't help yourself. You were crippled by sin and disease. No more. I'm going to nourish you and take care of you. And uh, when you look at the Proverbs and everywhere, it talks about you take care of the widows. You take care of the orphans. You take care of the hungry. You take care of these people. It's as though we're doing it for Christ. And one day, he's going to say, you did a good job. 
well done. Especially during the trip when they're willing to put their life on the line to visit a brother or a sister in jail or make sure they got some food. And because Satan is about killing and destroying. Folks, there is one that I hate, and it is Satan. There is no mercy in me for him because he has no mercy for us. He is the enemy that literally wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy my life. He wants to wreck my ministry, my marriage, everything. He hates success. He hates order. Satan loves chaos, disorder, no unity. He's a master at it. So God says, yeah, he's going to have his season. There's one place that he's kicked out of heaven in chapter 11 of Revelation. He said, you're not coming back here anymore. The accuser of the brethren is kicked out. You're done. And he says, okay, Satan's like, okay, my time is short and I better get busy. So um, let me finish up Thessalonians. I'll let you all go. This, to me, is the heart of it all. Verse 12, it says, That they all might be damned who believe not the truth and have pleasure in unrighteousness. But we, we are bound to give thanks. See the transition there in verse 13? I'm back in 2 Thessalonians 2. Now this transition, let's get into the good stuff. He talks about our faith and it's solid and everything is good. God is, 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 uh, has from the beginning chosen you and I to salvation through the sanctification of the Spirit, believing by believing the truth. And it's just beautiful what we have. I'm telling you right now, my fervency to preach the gospel to people is, I just love it. And about three, four weeks ago, this young man comes into my office and he came to Passion Play and he looked at me and he goes, my mama's been praying for me. And I think I need to get saved. Like, you think? And so I sat there and won him to the Lord. He invited Jesus into his heart. I never had this happen. I talked to him about, now that you're saved, you're, you know, you're, and, you know, after you at least my Lord, you want to give him assurance verses, you know, try to help him out a little bit. Mm-mm, not this guy. So almost as soon as he said amen, he jumps up out of his seat. I'm like, Chris, where are you going? He goes, Don't, but he's reaching for his pocket. He shakes my hand. He goes, I got to call my mama. <laughs> so he goes out in the car, gets his cell phone, calls his mom, who has been praying for him to get saved. And he invites Christ into his heart. He calls me later on and he said, that woman and all the others who have been praying for him to get saved were all together. And he said they were all bawling their heads off. He comes back in the office later on and he says, I got to make a decision here. So what's that? He goes, I was about to go see a young lady, but I know she's not a believer. And I know I should not develop a relationship with her. And he, the next call was to tell her he wouldn't be coming over to see her. If any man's in Christ... It's a new creation. Everything starts to change. And it is awesome. This guy hasn't missed a church service. And he is growing. Going to start discipling him next week. And it is fun to see people come to know the Lord as Savior. And to grow and have a new life in Christ. And one day when we're raptured, 
I'll probably be dead first, I'm sure. He's younger than me. Maybe he's going to be alive. And maybe we're both dead, but we're going to be caught up in the clouds. And we're going to look at each other, and I'm going to go, you're here. (laughs) And we're together. And time won't matter. That's what matters. That's why the Revelation closes down with this phrase. Even so, Lord Jesus, come. Come. Father, we love you. This fo- these folks have been so patient with me. Thank you for them. Thank you for their love for you, the love for the word, and they're hungry. God, I pray that I've given them just a little something that they could chew on and maybe take with them. I pray, Father, that you're going to bless them. They've put a lot of hours into this day already. Give them rest. Some are probably going to be teaching class tomorrow and working a lot of things. Give them some added strength. And Lord, you tell us when we read your word, especially the revelation, there is a blessedness that you give to us as a result. And my prayer for these is that indeed, you will put your hand on them and use them in an incredible way. May this help us now, Lord, to search our hearts to serve you and to live for you. Take us home safely. Bring us back and doors are open if we can. There's some bad weather they're calling for here in this area. So I pray you'll keep everybody safe. And we'll thank you for Jesus' sake. Amen. Folks.